Hello, I'm Phyllis Weiss Hazaro, and welcome to the Legacy Makers at Work podcast. This is the show for Gen Xers and people in mid-career, all about creating an intentional work legacy aligned with your personal purpose and vision. I'm here with my co-host, Liz Stern, and our guest, who is employment lawyer and civil rights activist, Gary Ireland, and he helps executives maximize income and benefits when joining or leaving a company, enhancing severance, and if necessary, asserting legal rights in court. Gary seeks to bring out the best in everyone, whether working with executives, employees, or startups and small businesses as outside general counsel. His litigation experience spans high-profile matters to lesser-known matters where Gary works behind the scenes to help executives maximize their outcome. And I know him to be a relentless advocate for inclusion and non-discrimination. An exciting example He participated in a multi-year advocacy and media campaign, working with his family, the National Organization for Women, and local elected officials, resulting in young women successfully becoming full members in the previously all-male Boy Scouts of America. That initiative resulted in over 200,000 new female scouts and a new name for the premier program, Scouts BSA. His daughter, Sydney, who is a sophomore in college now, really was the center point of a lot of this, all because she wanted to be able to participate in activities of the Eagle Scouts, just like her brother. Gary received the NAACP Legal Prize, Footprints in the Sands Award, also the Legal Award from the Bella Abzug Leadership Institute, and the Champion for Progress Recognition from the National Organization for Women. Gary and I have known each other for over 10 years from Ivy Life and a mastermind group I led. And I think he sets an excellent example for Legacy Makers at Work's audience for his intentional pursuit of a purposeful legacy. So let's go with the conversation. Liz? Hi, Gary. It's such a pleasure to have this opportunity to get your perspective on developing a work legacy and your journey thus far. I like to start with how you would define work legacy and what that means to you. Well, first of all, Phyllis and Liz, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here and and I hope I can contribute in any significant way to, to enlighten anyone in what at least what I've done. I can only speak to what I've done. And with work, I've worked hard and purposeful to cultivate a positive influence on those around me. And that would be people that work with me, my clients. I choose clients uh, that so to work with that are positive and proactive and want the best result. And even I would say most of the adversaries that I've worked with, some of them, many of them have sent me clients and we've become personal friends. So I think the adversarial model, I always refer to them as colleagues. And I think being purposeful and positive and trying to get a principled outcome in the in the initiatives that I work on, I think makes a big difference. And I've, I've had the opportunity to work with the Presbyterian Church. I've sat on the 
on the executive board of a gay rights organization as we tried to welcome the LGBT community in. I've, I've worked in environmental cases where we've uh, helped protect the, the beaches of uh, out in um, Bridgehampton and Sagaponic. I've, I've gotten to partner with the NAACP working to break down barriers between the police and, and the African-American community in a small town of, uh, out on Long Island. And most recently with the Boy Scouts welcoming in young girls and young women into the organization as full members and, and trying to get the organization to live up to its principles of welcoming everyone. There, there, are, there are sometimes rules and uh, that may have changed, but there, there's definitely an outlook that needs to also change along with that. And that's, that's what I've been trying to do for, throughout my career. That's awesome. So Gary, how did your career evolve? And was there a point at which you had an epiphany? Because it sounds as if, I mean, I don't know, maybe you started as, as such an intentional person as a very young man, but your, whether you had an epiphany at a moment that pushed you or propelled you in a particular direction, and if you could share what those pivotal moments were and how they changed the course of what you were doing. Sure. Right out of college, uh, right out of law school, and, and in law school, I'd worked. I had uh, worked in a, as a summer in, in a, as a bankruptcy uh, clerk for a judge, just a summer clerk, and, and enjoyed the process and and the, and what went through that. And I and I liked the the game of of what we were doing. As I uh, worked more and more, I had an opportunity. Uh, right after the war in El Salvador, I got to go down um, and look at the devastation that occurred, and, and just that there there were almost no men in in the small village that I went to visit, Rancho Grande, and I saw that there was more to be, there was more to life than than what I was engaged in. I had we had the opportunity to try to build up. The, the, both the town through taking down a grain mill. I worked with a, a church group, uh, the Jan Hus Presbyterian Church. And then we also were working to, on early, this was early on in the early 90s, on fair trade for their, their coffee. So I, I got to see activism at work. Uh, you know, when I was at school in New York at Columbia, there was the apartheid demonstrations that, that I had been involved in. And this was giving me the opportunity to, to take what I had learned at school through the activist protests on, on campus and actually apply them in real time to, a, to an area that was just devastated. The, these people were really had nothing. And we, we um, worked on importing a grain mill so that the basically the the community, the larger community, could work with the grain mill and then and then make some income from that by working with the surrounding communities, and then also on the coffee on the importing the fair trade coffee. So, uh, I'd say that was in the early '90s, and and having to, to see this up close with, with that people's lives were actually impacted more so than the institutions I had been working with. Uh, I found that very rewarding. And that's when I went out on my own and started working with individuals. And then that led to, as, as I worked as an employment lawyer, some of the individuals evolved, left their companies and started their own practices and, I, and, and companies. And I was able to work with them closely, uh, including on, on, in areas where we had to build teams. And, and I really enjoyed the process, the entrepreneurship and building teams to solve problems outside of, um, you know, so most of them were legal problems, but sometimes they were also entrepreneurial problems. We always like to ask how you would define a work legacy. What do you consider your core values and how they influenced your career and intended legacy? That's a great question. It's a, it's a big question. I, I would say that, you know, I saw 
uh, let's, I'll use I'll use scouting as an example. It's such a great organization with principles that the scout law and oath to be uh, you know honest, respectful, and, and the, the those principles I did not see being applied. They're taught to the children and and the young adults, but they're not followed. They were not at the time by the adult leaders, the adult leaders who were excluding the LGBT community. They were both also excluding young women. Uh, and in fact, when my daughter and our family proposed young women coming in, we, that we were harassed. Uh, my daughter was harassed online by an adult leader, a very high ranking adult leader, and, and they wouldn't get rid of him. That's not principle-centered leadership. And we, we called them out with our Congresswoman, Carolyn Maloney, down at right. the new statue of Fearless Girl. They finally got rid of the guy. But the fact is, we shouldn't have to be telling them that you get rid of a harasser. And uh, these are the sorts of things, you know, I try to, I guess if you're asking me to define it, I try to be a proactive catalyst for positive change and to leave where I've been a little bit better. And I think that's what we've done with the Boy Scouts. I hope we can continue to work with them moving forward. But I've, tr- I've tried to do that throughout my casework in law and some of the, the work that I've done in, in private matters that have been uh, working with my church. And, and we're, we're now working on a big project to we've moved our church. So now we're working on uh, a peace cafe, which would employ a youth to figure out how they they can best learn, get job training, get certifications for food handling, and learn the skills that you need that are so necessary to work with uh, the public. So these are areas that invigorate me. Uh, I'd like to say that it's it's me doing good things, but it's not. It's it's me. I feed off this. So when I can help someone and um, and make the situation a little bit better. I feel that I feel invigorated. So it's, uh, you know, it's not all uh, doing good. It's, it's doing, I sleep better and I, and I also sleep less because I'm so jazzed about working on these sorts of projects and honored to be included uh, in, in the project. So uh, I look at these as opportunities. You have obviously energized your, your daughter and influenced her. Um, she's gotten to be quite well known and awarded in, in certain circles. And I remember that Carolyn Maloney must have been really impressed because she invited her to the State of the Union message. Oh, that was it was really exciting. I mean, we um, I'm smiling here because we my, my wife was quite ill at the time, Nancy, and, and um, she was she, she couldn't go with us. But we got up at I think it was three thirty in the morning, took the bus down to Washington. Um, you know, I was the guy basically uh, all day carrying the, the bags, you know, and following them around. But very much in the, in the background, she got to do interviews with she did an interview that was on PBS. She did an interview with the New York Daily News. Uh, it was it was really exciting, and it got her to realize the power of working with elected officials, and and also the bug for for wanting to be in in that circle and to try to improve the world a little bit. You know, her her at least her sphere. Uh, she's on her um, elect. I think it's called the Senate at uh, at Amherst, and she's on a a committee with the president for to to address problems with COVID and how to integrate the students back into school. So. All of these things that, you know, if I can live a life where I, I try to show, I try to lead by example, and hopefully I've done a little bit of that for my kids That's, and others. Right, so great. I mean, I'm, I have a lot of faith in the young people. So, Gary, I just, listening to this, I realize you've had a lot of challenges that you've faced, and they always influence our, our work and our life paths and the decisions that we make. 
how would you describe what has been most impactful for you and how that's helped you either share that story or whether it's sharing with your daughter or with you know your the people that you work with how those things when they experience challenges how they can learn from your lessons I get inspired every day from my son Brian and my daughter Sydney and 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 the the gifts that they have and the challenges that they face. One of the biggest challenges, probably the biggest challenge that I've had to face, was um, was uh, leading up. Uh, um, my wife got sick about six years ago. Um, I remember the night she got sick. It was it, it was um, Valentine's Day, and we got the news that she had ovarian cancer. And I got out of that. I had the opportunity. She was is the soul of our family. And I had the opportunity to do whatever, you know, to change around my my work habits, to make sure I had off every, her chemo would generally be on Fridays. So I would make sure I had Friday off. Then I took off Thursday night to make sure that I was ready to spend time with her on Thursday night and get ready. Because I, I usually had a, um, an obligation on Thursday night for the years before that. Um, and as, as more and more, I became more of a caregiver. And I realized like that that was the biggest honor of my life to be able to take care of her and honor her. And now I get to honor her memory. She was an educator. She was worse, first at, uh, in finance at, uh, at an um, investment bank and then, and then went into working with uh, children um, who had exceptionalities, young children, worked at a bank street, and then um, also taught at night at college, especially when the mandatory preschool came in. So she had an opportunity. To, and right up until, I would say, a few months before she died, she died in, on uh, May 16th of 2019. And she was working, I think, up until March. And uh, this is actually her birthday month. It's the 19th. And, um, you know, we're going to honor her again this year. And, and you know, it, nothing puts things in perspective like this sort of a um, an illness and then and then finally a loss. But uh, we had, we did the best we could going up to it. We even, you know, brought the dog, we have a dog named Scout, a female dog and, and um, like a, a small mixed lab. And uh, we brought her into the, the hospital, into Memorial. And we say we snuck her in, but there was no sneaking a, a dog um, who was pretty young at the time. And uh, we have pictures of her on the bed, you know, we're all in the gowns and, and the dogs on the bed and Nancy smiling. And, you know, we made the best. We had we had um, our our camping gear and stayed over. We had our mats and and they were up on the walls and people would come in. Um, the, some of the employees and you know it's it's a question of of perspective and we knew this was a difficult time and we had you know we're all smiling in the photos and really look fondly at the, on those times. Obviously, you know given what happened, we, we we prayed that it would happen differently. But you have to look at things in perspective, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what has surprised you about your career so far? You know, did you set out to be a civil rights advocate? And, and you seem to have an affinity for the media, media much more than most attorneys. That's a great question. No, I didn't. I didn't start out to be a civil rights attorney. I worked in um, mostly, you know, working in the area of banking and litigation, things like that. And then I had a few opportunities. I had an, um, a case where um, a guy came in and, and asked me to represent him against um, Chrysler. And, um, and I, he, he, his English wasn't so great and my Spanish was awful. So we had his daughter as the translator and we ended up winning a jury trial and then went up um, to the second circuit and won there. And that's when I was really hooked and felt that this is a, this is an opportunity where I can help people. And then it evolved as, as you gain a little 
notoriety, you, uh, you know, I was able to represent people with some means and, and I had some um, opportunities to work with them once they left their, their firms and started their own companies. And I had an opportunity to work with a guy that, uh, that I went to college with who, who had the, held the patent for virtual reality and Maxis uh, Systems. And, and uh, we did some patent work down there, down in Texas. I still am honored to work with my, my friend, Paul Marshall. So we've, we have, I, I've built a, a network of strong, a strong community that I both work with and I'm honored to be friends with. And, and that's, that's worked well for me. So many of my clients are personal friends now. That's the way... You have the best relationships with clients sometimes. It's, it's a real, it's a relationship of trust and, and yeah. real respect. So Gary, we all learn from stories and stories shape our legacies. Is there a story that clarifies the importance of legacy for you and what, how you created a life well lived? I'd go back to when we were challenging the Boy Scouts. I remember, I remember getting calls. Okay. So we were planning a press conference with the Congressman Maloney and my daughter were, were giving speeches that uh, Sonia Serio, the president of NOW, uh, our assembly member, Harvey Epstein, and our state senator, uh, Brad Hoyleman, who's also an Eagle Scout and was the architect of the Child Victims Act. So they were, they were all down at the Fearless Girl statue. And we were getting really brutal phone calls from the... from senior leadership in Texas and, you know, telling us to back off and, you know, really getting yelled at, like, you know, this could hurt you. And we're like, I, I, I was amazed that they just didn't get it. Uh, I invited them to, you know, you can come down and speak your piece. Uh, you know, we'll be down at Fearless Girl at a certain time. And, and you know, what day, you know, it's, it's a question of integrity and don't, don't compromise on integrity. And just move forward, um, engage in principle-centered leadership, and that makes things. It may be very difficult at times. The easy way out would be to to compromise and, and get yourself uh, a leg up in certain ways, and that you see that happen all the time, right? In business, mm-hmm. and, and so many of our elected officials make mistakes. And the other thing to do is, if you do make a mistake, admit it and move on. Because we all do it, right? We've all made mistakes. Right. You know, I just listened to the podcast uh, with Monica Lewinsky, and and you know, who wouldn't want to not, you know, be young? Uh, well, she wouldn't. You know, she she made a mistake, and she's now been able to serve as an example to other people on how to move on with your life. And and I think that that we can all learn from that because we, you know, I'm I'm far from perfect. You know, ask anyone in my family or anyone that knows me. Nobody's but we all need to be able to move on and make principle-centered decisions. And the decision that we made on that day, on that not backing down, will reflect, gave us our power. Um, I, you know, I was amazed that they asked us. We, we engaged in all sorts of advocacy. If I went through all of the letters that I wrote and my daughter wrote, and she was in um, uh, the Washington Post, she got an op-ed in there and an op-ed in the USA Today, and was, was in Forbes magazine just this last fall. All of these things come about by leading a principled life and, right. uh, and not compromising. So yeah, that's such a good tagline. Well, it, it's it's a tagline, but it's a line to live by. If you don't, oh, compromise, no, of course, I, I I did not mean that there was anything inauthentic about it, mm-hmm. or you know, right. It's just a good thing to keep reminding people. It it, it is, and and for us, 
we had to do it. We had fun. You know, I say, I may sound, I, I'm, I'm thinking if, if, if the listeners are, are going to be like, wow, that guy's really a stiff. We had a lot of fun, whether it be camping outside, whether it be doing some of these interviews. I think, I think one of the reasons we've gotten some interviews is because we have fun. Like we've brought some of the people that have interviewed us out on uh, hikes and trips and, well, you want to, you want to see what it's like? Come on out, you know, come join us. And they had fun. And they had fun. So it's infectious, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, you know, I just read President Obama's book and out of that book, I got the sense that I, I got an, inf- uh, you know, it was, it was infectious. I was like, wow, this is going to be so good for young people who want to go into public service. Because if you love what you do, and you can tell he loved what he did mm-hmm. and loves what he does, that it's infectious, you know, and, and he is, is someone who I um, think lives a principle-centered life. And I think it bears witness to so many others that want to follow his lead that uh, and that book left a, a really strong impression on me and I've encouraged my kids to read it although it's uh, got some weight to it yeah it's long <laughs> a lot of pages yeah. yeah so Gary do you think it's more important than ever to think in terms of work legacy by mid-career and why is there a time when it's too early or too late and I ask you this because we encourage people to be intentional early on uh, about how they want to be remembered, not to wait till they're in the latter part of their career, but to start thinking about this in their 40s, or some people that we've spoken with, you know, even earlier than that. So, you know, what what are your thoughts about that? Me personally, I don't think about what other people think of me. That's sort of none of my business, in my opinion. I think that if I'm engaged in important work and I'm I'm engaged in it for the right reason and I love what I do, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. You know, I think there's the legacy part will take care of itself or it won't. If people like what I do, fantastic. If they don't like what I do, if if I've looked it over, and, I, and I'm doing the right work for the right reason, that's great. If it leaves a legacy, even better. But I can't worry about um, what legacy that is. Right. Well, you know, what we're meaning is to feel like you've had an impact that really helped other people. The work that I try to do, I try to do work, for example, with the Boy Scouts. I thought this was a fantastic program they needed better leadership and they needed to open it up to all children, regardless of who you love, what gender you are, you know, if you believe in God, whatever it is, I think you should be allowed to become in there. And with that kind of premise, we set out to make the changes. And I think if you go on a, um, you know, we were told there's no way, can't you, can't you read? Can't you, it's boy, boy scouts. You're never going to get in here. And what we went in to make that change is whether or not people like me moving forward or don't like me moving forward, that wasn't the issue. But I think if you take on a principle-centered stance, it's so easy to do the work. And whether it be a business that supports your family and supports the community and serves the community, that's great. Whether it be something where you've taken on, you know, it's, it's International Women's Day, you know, whether you uh, make a stand uh, on quality in the workplace or somewhere else, there's so much work to be done 
find something that interests you, work hard at it, make a difference, and the legacy will take care of itself. But I, you know, I do think that it's so important to set an example for other people, particularly your own family, that they can emulate and they would want to follow. And I think that is important. And, and I love the idea of a legacy. For me personally, I don't know what it'll be. Uh, you know, I guess that'll, that's for somebody else to judge. Actually, when, when in thinking about you have created an incredible legacy already for all the things that you've done and all the stories that you've shared and the guidance that you've provided, which is really powerful hearing your stories. Where do you think you are now in your journey? And what do you think are the next steps in your life that will continue to reinforce what you have already created? That's a great question. I, I um, and I had rotated off of a church um, that the one I'd gone to El Salvador with back in the early '90s. I'd rotated off the session, which is like the board, and I just stepped back on. And they've sold the traditional church, bought bought a uh, commercial building, and have a, a fully integrated homeless outreach program, which, which has a supermarket style pantry in the basement and the first floor, sorry, and a beautiful kitchen. And we're looking to start a, a cafe, this peace cafe. And and I don't. This is this is something that we've only been working on a month. The, the peace cafe, the, the homeless outreach program. I've been. It's been involved for for maybe forty years. But I think that the ability to to create a community where um, and this would be right after COVID, right? We're we're still in the planning stages to create. You know, I don't know if there'll be food or not food. Ice cream, I'd like to have because I like ice cream. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be coffee and and a place to maybe play some music and to bring in people of all different talent ranges and whatever they want to do. And it's an open space. And, and I think this is an opportunity to have like the conversations we're having now. Maybe, maybe you'll broadcast from there someday. And that, that interests me because I think we're talking through each other so often right now. And I think we need to do better at, at communicating. Look what happened in January. I mean, that was just so sad. And it was, it was not communication. It was just you know, rage, anger. And we need to do better. I want, I want to know what drives people to do that. And how can we do better to communicate so that doesn't have to happen again? Yeah, well, you'd all love to hear what you find out. I think that's a really important finding. Right. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it's called the Avenues Church. It's interdenominational. So everybody's going to be welcome. Oh, right. That's the former Jan Hus. It was, it was formerly called Jan Hus. It's um, under the Presbyterian umbrella, but it's going to be multi-denominational. And right. I'm looking forward to what the future holds. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's any blueprint yet, but it's going to be principle centered. It's going to be open and inclusive. It's, you know, anybody's welcome there, no matter who they love, what they look like. The diversity, including neurodiversity, is going to be welcome. So I'm so jazzed about this. And, and this gives, uh, you know, me an opportunity. It, it's, there's no blueprint yet. Yeah, it sounds fantastic, and I can't wait till everybody can be in person. Oh, it's and you know it's even got we built it out. So I always say we. I was not involved. They they did a fantastic build out. They built it out with a preschool on the second floor. It's all ready to go, and it's even got those little tiny toilets. We're looking for partners for whatever is going to go in there, and I think it's an exciting time, and I think that to me symbolizes the future of post pandemic because we're ready. We're just about to get the CEO and we're ready to hit the ground running. 
Great. That's awesome. So we're getting toward the end here and you have really repeated a few wonderful things that I will use as quotes. But just to sum up, what tip or takeaway do you want to leave the audience and your followers with today? What call to action? Find your passion and run with it. Find what you want to do. Drill deep into whatever that subject is and present that to the world as your gift. Because there are so many people that, um, including myself, that do things because they their parents have expectations or they were, you know, good at something as a little kid and they, you know, they felt they had to keep going with that, but it's not really their passion anymore. You know, you don't want to live a life and look back and be disappointed. You want to be able to leave, as you say, a legacy of working hard and you're going to get better at it if it's what you love to do and spend your time, get good at it and really bring in other people to share your passion. One of the things that I find most rewarding is if someone else enjoys what I'm doing and then moves forward and does better at it, right? Don't, don't have any, if somebody's good at what you do and is better at what your passion is, that means you've taught them well. That's awesome. Thank you. So how can listeners reach you? Um, I'm at Gary at IrelandLaw.net, Gary at IrelandLaw.net. Please reach out to me, send me an email, or you can give me a call at 917-743-3046. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the next interesting adventure because this is, you know, that's what life's about. It's about, it's, you know, we want to do good for others and really have fun following your passion. That's like what what, what I think is so important. So honored to be here, particularly on International Women's Day. And Liz and Phyllis, thank you so much for your upbeat personalities. And, and you know, you you both symbolize the legacies that we can all leave. I mean, you, you're, you're doing it. Thank you, Gary. Thank you so much, Gary, for sharing with us. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Take a moment to consider your legacy at work. Please go to our podcast website, LegacyMakersAtWork.com, where you will find more information and show notes. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please, write us a review. Thank you again.